Hello and welcome to another episode of the Orthodox Logos. And today, November 25th, we are going to dive into some lives of the saints that we commemorate today and also and go over those as well. I want to wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving for those of you celebrating. And for those of you who are not, I hope that you're having a blessed fast of the Nativity. And glory to God for all things. Let's go ahead and get started. Today, November 25th, we commemorate the great martyr Catherine of Alexandria. And she was the ho a holy great martyr, the daughter of Constos, the governor of Alexandria, Egypt, during the reign of Emperor Maxim Maximian 305 to 313, living in the capital, the center of Hellenistic knowledge and possessed of a rare beauty and intellect, Catherine received an excellent education studying the works of the greatest philosophers and teachers of antiquity. Young men from the most worthy families of the empire sought the hand of beautiful Catherine, but she was not interested in any of them. She told her parents that she would enter into marriage only with someone who surpassed her in nobility, wealth, comeliness, and wisdom. Catherine's mother, a secret Christian, sent her to her own spiritual father, a, saint, a saintly elder living in a cave outside the city for advice. After listening to Catherine, the elder said that he knew of someone who surpassed her in everything. His countenance is more radiant than the shining of the sun, and all of creation is governed by his wisdom. His riches are given to all the nations of the world, yet they never diminish. His compassion is unequaled. This description of the heavenly bridegroom produced an ardent desire in the soul of the holy maiden to see him. If you do as I tell you, said the monk, you will gaze upon the countenance of the illustrious man. In parting, the elder gave Catherine an icon of Theotokos with the divine child on her arm and told her to pray with faith to the Queen of Heaven, the mother of the heavenly bridegroom, and she would hear Catherine and grant her heart's desire. Catherine prayed all night and was permitted to see the Holy Virgin, who said to her divine son, Behold thy handmaiden Catherine, how fair and virtuous she is. But the child turned his face away from her, saying, No, she is ugly and unbelieving. She is a foolish pauper, and I cannot bear to look at her until she forsakes her impiety. Catherine returned again to the elder deeply saddened and told him what she had seen in the dream. He received her, instructed her in the faith of Christ, admonished her to preserve her purity and integrity and to pray unceasingly. She then received the mystery of holy baptism from him. Again, St. Catherine had a vision of the most holy Theotokos with her child. Now the Lord looked at her tenderly and gave her a beautiful ring, a wondrous token of her betrothal, to the heavenly bridegroom. This ring is still on her hand. At that time, Emperor Maximian was in Alexandria for a pagan festival. Therefore, the celebration was especially splendid and crowded. The cries of the sacrificial animals, the smoke and the smell of the sacrifices, the endless blaze of fires, and the bustling crowds at the arenas defiled the city of Alexandria. Human victims also were brought, the confessors of Christ, who would not deny him under torture. They were condemned to the death and fire, Catherine's love for the Christian martyrs and her fervent desire to ease their sufferings compelled her to speak to the pagan priests and to the Emperor Maximian. Introducing herself, the saint confessed her faith in the one true God and exposed the errors of the pagans. The beauty of the maiden captivated the emperor. In order to convince her of the superiority of pagan wisdom, the emperor ordered 50 of the most learned philosophers of the emperor to dispute with her. But the saint got the better of the wise men so that they came to believe in Christ themselves. St. Catherine made the sign of the cross over the martyrs, and they bravely accepted death for Christ and were burnt alive by order of the emperor. Unable to persuade the saint, Maximian tried to entice her 
with the promise of riches and fames. Hearing her angry refusal, the emperor ordered his men to subject the saint to terrible tortures and then throw her in prison. The empress, Augusta, who had heard much about the saint, wanted to see her. She prevailed upon the military commander, Porphyrius, to accompany her to the prison with a detachment of soldiers. The empress was imprisoned by Catherine's strong spirit, and her face was radiant with divine grace. The holy martyr explained the Christian faith to them, and they were converted to Christ. On the following day, they again brought the martyr to the judgment court where, under the threat of being broken on the wheel, she was urged to renounce the Christian faith and to offer sacrifice to the gods. The saint steadfastly confessed Christ, and she was taken to be tortured on four wheels with sharp iron spikes. But an angel smashed the instruments of execution, which shattered into pieces with many pagans standing nearby. After seeing this miracle, the Empress Augusta and the imperial court Porphyrius and 200 soldiers confessed their faith in Christ before everyone, and they were beheaded. Maximian tried again to entice the holy martyr, offering to marry her, and again he was refused. St. Catherine remained faithful to her heavenly bridegroom Christ, and after praying to him, she laid her head on the block beneath the executioner's sword. The relics of St. Catherine were taken by the angels to Mount Sinai, in the 6th century, the venerable head and left hand of the holy martyr were found through a revelation and transferred with honor to the newly constructed church of the monastery on Mount Sinai, built by the holy emperor Justinian, November 14th, who we commemorate. St. Catherine is called upon for relief and assistance during a difficult childbirth. Pilgrims to her monastery on Mount Sinai are given souvenir rings as a remembrance of their visit. St. Catherine is commemorated on November 2015 in the Greek Orthodox Church. That was the life of the holy great martyr Catherine of Alexandria, who we commemorate today. We also commemorate the great martyr Mercurius of Caesarea in Cappadocia. The holy great martyr Mercurius served as a soldier in the Roman army. The impious emperors Decius and Valerian issued a decree ordering all Roman citizens to worship the pagan gods and condemning Christians to torture and death unless they obeyed the decree. At that time, barbarians attacked the Roman Empire and the Emperor Decius went on campaign with a large army. In one of the battles, an angel of the Lord appeared to Mercurius in the guise of a nobleman and presented himself with a sword saying, Fear not, Mercurius, go forth bravely against the enemy, and when you are victorious, do not forget the Lord your God. With this sword, the holy warrior cut through the ranks of the barbarians. He also killed their king, winning victory for the Romans. The great emperor Decius rewarded St. Mercurius for his bravery and made him commander of the entire army. The angel of the Lord appeared again to the holy warrior who had received great honors and riches and reminded him by whom the victory had been given. He also told Jenner Mercurius that he would suffer for Christ and he would receive a crown of victory in his kingdom. Mercurius recalled that his father, Gordian, had also confessed the Christian faith. Although the saint had been baptized, he felt he had not devoted his life to God, as did his father and grad grandfather once did. Thus, he was weeping and lamenting when he was summoned before the emperor. Decius consulted Mercurius on matters of state, then suggested that they offer sacrifice in the temple of Artemis. Not wishing to do this, the saint returned home. He was denounced as a Christian by a nobleman whose name was Catalyst. The emperor would not believe this. However, until he himself had questioned the saint, openly declaring himself a Christian, Mercurius threw down his military belt and cloak at the emperor's feet. 
and got rid of all the honors he had received. The angel of the Lord again appeared to St. Macarius in the prison, encouraging him to endure every suffering for Christ. They stretched the holy martyr between four pillars and lit a fire beneath him. They cut his body with knives, and so much blood flowed from his wounds that it extinguished the fire. When they threw him back into the prison nearly dead from his wounds, St. Macarius was healed by the Lord, demonstrating, demonstrating the great power of Christ to the impious pagans. Condemned to death, the saint was deemed worthy of a vision of the Lord, who promised him a quick release from his sufferings. The great martyr Mercurius was beheaded at Caesarea in Cappadocia. His holy body emitted a fragrance like myrrh and incense. Many of the sick were healed by his tomb. Even after his death, the warrior of Christ performed a soldier's service for the good of the earthly church. Saint Basil the Great once prayed before an icon of the most holy Theotokos, upon which Saint Mercurius was depicted as a soldier, soldier holding a spear. He asked God not to permit the Emperor Julian, the apostate, to return from his war against the Persians and resume his oppression against the Christians. The image of the holy great martyr Mercurius, depicted on the icon besides the image of the most holy Theotokos, became invisible. It reappeared later with a bloodied spear. At this very moment, Julian the apostate, on his Persian campaign, was wounded by a spear of an unknown soldier, who immediately disappeared. The mortally wounded Julian, as he lay dying, cried out, Thou hast conquered. O Galilean. The Most Holy Theotokos, through the prayers of St. Basil, had sent St. Mercurius to defend the Christians from the apostate Julian. May we also be preserved from God's foes, overcoming them through the prayers and assistance of St. Mercurius. And then yesterday, November 24th, we commemorated the hieromartyr Clement Pope of Rome. He was born into a rich and illustrious family and separated from his parents at childhood by forces of circumstances. He was also raised by strangers. In living in Rome, the youth received a fine education. He was surrounded by luxury and had access to the imperial court, but these comforts brought him no joy, and pagan wisdom failed to attract him. He began to ponder the true meaning of life. When the news of Christ and his teachings began to reach the capital, St. Clement left his home and estate and went to the lands where the apostles were preaching. At Alexandria, St. Clement met the holy apostle Barnabas, and listening to his words with deep attention and perceiving the power and truth of the word of God. Arriving in Palestine, St. Clement was baptized by the holy apostle Peter and became his zealous disciple and constant companion, sharing his toil and sufferings alongside with him. Shortly before his own sufferings and death, St. Peter consecrated St. Clement as Bishop of Rome, after the death of the Apostle Peter, St. Linus was the next Bishop of Rome, succeeded by St. Anacleus, and then St. Clement. The virtuous life, charitable works, and prayerful activity of St. Clement converted many to Christ. He once baptized 424 people on the day of Pascha. Among the baptized were people of all social classes, slaves, officials, and even members of the imperial family. The pagans, seeing the success of his apostolic preaching, denounced St. Clement to the Emperor Trajan accusing the saint of insulting the pagan gods. The emperor banished St. Clement from the capital, sending him to Crimea to work at a stone quarry near the city of Cherson. Many of the saint's disciples followed after him voluntarily, preferring to go into exile rather than to live without their spiritual father. When he arrived at the place of exile, St. Clement found many Christian believers there, sentenced to labor under harsh conditions amidst a scarcity of water. He prayed together with the condemned, and the Lord appeared to him, in the form of the lamb and revealed the location of a spring from which gushed forth a veritable river of water. 
This miracular this miracle attracted a multitude of people to St. Clement. Hearing the zealous preacher, hundreds of pagans were converted to Christ. Each day, 500 or more men were baptized. And there in the stone quarry, a church was built in which he served as the priest. The apostolic activity of, of the saint aroused the wrath of the emperor Trajan, and he ordered that St. Clement be drowned. They threw the martyr into the sea with an anchor tied to his neck. This occurred in the year 101. The saint's faithful disciples Cornelius and Phibius asked the people to pray that the Lord would permit them to see the martyr's body. The sea drew back a distance of three miles from the shore, and the people walked out on the seabed until they found a marble cave shaped like a church. There they found the incorrupt body of their archpastor in this angelic church formed by God. After this, each year on the anniversary of St. Clement's martyr martyric death, the sea recedes, and for seven days Christians were able to venerate his holy relics. During the reign of the Byzantine emperor Nicophorus, by divine providence, the sea failed to withdraw, and the relics of St. Clement became inaccessible for 50 years. In the time of the emperor Michael and his mother Theodora, St. Cyril and Methodius visited Cherson. When they learned of the concealed relics of St. Clement, they asked Bishop George of Cherson to pray that the Lord would show them the relics of the higher martyr. St. Cyril and Methodius walked along the shore in procession with the clergy who came with them from Constantinople. Through the fervent prayers of everyone gathered there, the holy relics of St. Clement miraculously appeared on the surface of the sea at midnight. They solemnly took them to the Church of the Holy Apostles at Constantinople. A portion of the relics were, were then brought to Rome by St. Cyril and Methodius, but a large portion of the relics were later brought to Kiev by the Prince, by the Holy Prince Vladimir, and placed in the Deseatin Tithe Church. Together with the relics of St. Phibius, where a chapel dedicated to St. Clement had been built, the higher martyr Clement is widely venerated in Russia. From ancient times, many churches have been dedicated to him. St. Clement, who belongs to the Apostolic Fathers, who left to us a spiritual legacy, which includes two epistles um, to the Corinthians, the first written examples of Christian teachers after the writings of the Holy Apostles. And next we will get into some scripture, the scriptural readings of the day, which will include Philippians 3, 20 through 21 and 4, 1 through 3. Philippians 3, 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait, eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body, that it may be conformed to his glorious body, according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Then Luke 18, or sorry, Philippians 4, 1 through 3. Therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown, so stand fast in the Lord, beloved. I implore Iodea and I implore Sintith to be of the same mind in the Lord. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers, whose names are in the book of life. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. And Iodea and Sintaith, I believe is how you pronounce it, are two women who assisted Paul in his ministry there. 
and it is most likely that Clement, a disciple of Paul, who later became the Bishop of Rome, a long letter still in existence to the Corinthian church is attributed to him, as we mentioned in the reading of his life as well. And then we're going to jump into Luke. Luke 18, 15 through 17. Then they also brought infants to him that he might touch them. But when the disciples saw it, they rebuked him. But Jesus called them to him and said, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for of such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter into it. And then Luke twenty, Luke seventeen twenty six through thirty as well. And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will be also in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day of Lot, on the day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. Now jumping over to Galatians 3.23. I can find my spot. Also, we have Mark 5, 24 through 34. We can go ahead and read that one. So Jesus went with him, and a great multitude followed him and thronged him. Now a certain woman had a flow of blood for twelve years, and had suffered many things from many physicians. She had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, If I only may touch his clothes, I shall be made well. Immediately the fountain of her blood was dried up, and she felt in her body that she was healed of the affliction. And Jesus immediately, knowing in himself that power had gone out of him, turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my clothes? But his disciples said to him, You see the multitude thronging you, and you say, Who touched me? He looked around to see to see her who had done this thing. But the woman, fearing and trembling, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed from your affliction. That's Mark five twenty four through 44, 34. And then Galatians 3, 23 through 29. 
But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus Christ, for as many as you were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Jesus Christ. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. And that's Galatians 3, 23 through 29, speaking on how when we all enter into the royal priesthood, we become one, and it doesn't matter what race we are, um, ethnicity, gender, any of that. We are all made in the image of Christ. So I hope everybody has a blessed Thanksgiving and a fruitful fast commemorating the nativity of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And I wanted to say thank you for everybody that has tuned in, that supports the channel, the Instagram, and everything. Um, we have some things planned for the near future, a few guests that are going to come on and speak, and then some other, other ventures as well. If you could like, subscribe, give this video a thumbs up, and make sure to check out the website, theorthodoxlogos.com, and our Instagram page, at theorthodoxlogos. It would be greatly appreciated. I hope everybody has a beautiful day, and glory to God.